This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Good morning. How are you doing? Good. How are you today? I'm doing very well. I'm, uh, yes, I'm happy that we have sunshine and uh, took a little trip today to uh, the, the Poconos to Strasbourg to see a friend of mine that I haven't seen in probably a year and a half because of COVID and had a wonderful lunch at a place called the charcuterie. I don't know if you have heard of that, but I it's did. a wonderful little, yeah, it's a little French type restaurant right on the main street in Strasbourg. And um, that's it. They have, you can order platters of types of foods that would be on what the French call a charcuterie tray, which is usually processed meats like um, sopressata, I guess is how you pronounce that, and a bunch of other things like that that you can have, plus cheeses. And uh, they also have sandwiches uh, apart from that, and soups that are all homemade. I love them. And so we met there and had a wonderful lunch. We were the only two people in the place. (laughs) (laughs) That's a scary thought, but they do a lot of delivery. As a matter of fact, the guy who was our waiter was also, he said to us, I'll bring that stuff out in a minute, but I got to do a delivery. I'll be right back. And he literally was <laughs> back in five minutes. So it's a, you know, it's, it's a way of dealing with the realities of how it is to be in the restaurant business when you're open to the public uh, for in-house dining. And I can't tell you how many restaurants the two of us called to see if we could make reservations or to see if they were even open. And the majority of them said they were not open for lunch or if they were, it was a uh, pickup only or delivery. So I think we're still deeply into this stuff. And, and I feel badly that uh, people are still at that point where they, they are afraid to open or can't open mostly because they don't have staff. Well, that's and, the and, I think That's it's the less, thing. yeah, I think it's less of the virus and more of the fact that these places don't have the staff to accommodate the crowd, so they are sticking to like one place in particular, Lynn, which we talk about all the time and we've enjoyed going was the sushi Thai restaurant in Dunmore, and yeah. you know I called the other day, and they are still take out only and there's signs on the door um so you, you know take take out pick 
pick up whatever. I don't know if they even deliver. I don't think they do. Maybe they do. But the point is that when I called the one day, she's, I asked if they were serving, you know, if they were, if the restaurant was open. And she said, no. She said, I'm so sorry. She said, not that we don't want to be. We just don't have the staff. Mm-hmm. So, but I think a lot of people are doing well with this delivery and takeout stuff. I, I really do. I think people are finding ways, just like everybody does, to make it work. Yeah. Yeah, that so, is, uh, it, it's nice um, that that's how it, how it is, you know, that people are, um, they don't have to be physically in the place in order to enjoy the food of the place. And right. um, I'm sure that there are a lot of uh, these, um, what are they, um, uh, Uber Eats and um, DoorDash and all these mm-hmm. other online apps that really can help to get stuff out of the restaurant and deliver it to your front door. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's nice. So yeah. th- that's good. They're probably yep. flourishing as well. Well, and again, I I would never use that be um, if I didn't have to. I mean, I think they're mostly for people who don't obviously have transportation to go and pick it up, or who may just not want to. You know, they they don't want to get out of their. You know, maybe in the winter it's worse. You know, or it's better because you don't feel like going out and just have it delivered like a pizza. But um, I don't know. I um, I've never used them. Have you? Yes, I've, I was just going to say I've done both. Um, okay. it's, it was a really funny incident <laughs> that happened with, I forget what the name of the delivery company was, but it was not any of the biggies that I've heard of. But I ordered a pizza from a, a local pizza place, and uh, the guy brought the pizza, as he said he would, and I just took it and said, okay, thank you, and he left. And when I brought it in the house and opened it up, I thought, this is not the pizza I ordered. And things like pepperoni and something else on it. And I I would never do that. So I called them. (laughs) They said, oh, I'm so glad you called. I said, why? Because the woman that ordered that pizza came here for a pickup. And I didn't have a pizza for her. And I said, oh, my goodness. Well, I'll bring it back. And they said, well, you can, but don't worry about it. You just keep it because that's our mistake. I said, all right, well, I still want the pizza that I ordered. And so I said, I will pick it up because at this point it was something like quarter to eight. And I thought by the time this guy gets back, it's going to be nine o'clock before the pizza is delivered. So I went to the place and I went inside and picked it up and she gave me the, I checked it before I walked out. And she said, I said, okay, here's, here's my card for the pizza. She said, no, it's on us. I said, really? She said, yes, we screwed up, and it's not your fault. So I said, so I got two, pri- two pizzas for nothing. She said, yes. I said, okay. So um, I have to say that I gave the other one that I didn't want to our, our dear friend, Joan Glover, who uh, was thrilled beyond words that she got that pizza. So it was it was great, but that's what I'm saying. That was the only time anything was wrong. I've ordered pizza from a lot of different places in this area, and sometimes they use their own delivery people, and other times they use one of these apps online. Right. And it now, made and no that, difference because they were both I, um, good. 
And well, that's what I mean. I've never used an app for that. However, one time when we went to visit Tommy, actually for his birthday this year in New York, and we ordered pizza from my favorite pizza place, we uh-huh. they we didn't order. We ordered right from the pizza place, but they used DoorDash for mm-hmm. their delivery service. So that was that was delivered by them but not because we did it. We went right through the restaurant. That's that's the only yeah. time that, that I've ever seen that. But I know that they use that service, which makes sense because, again, if you use it, it's just a way of funneling business and not paying an employee. Right. You know, the way they do it. Yep. So, uh, you know, I uh, people do that all the time. So, I mean, it's kind of neat in a way because it's their own business. It is. It is, and and the thing is, those people then uh, they're just like Uber or anybody else. You know, you're you are your own um, independent contractor. You are responsible for paying your own you right. know, um, taxes, and because yeah. you use a thing like that, like a DoorDash or Uber Eats or whatever it is, there's a record of that, and they send out a 1099 every year. So you can't right. avoid paying taxes on it. You know, like. Right. Whatever. But anyhow, I well, think it's the, the wave of the future. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's all, um, all of this stuff is, um, I, I was, I was going to say something else, but now I lost my train of thought on, <laughs> oh, like, like Insta, Instacart. Like, they would yeah. never be able to take that pizza back from you because they can't, they don't know what you did or anyone else who would get it. So because... Oh, yeah. you know, you, you, they would have to do that because it's the same thing with Instacart. If I receive something that's not what I want, they, you keep it. You know, you keep it mm-hmm. because they say, please don't. If you don't want it, donate it to a, a food, a pantry, food pantry, or to someone that would use it because they can't take it back. You just never no. know. So yeah. I, I figured there's a lot of waste that way. Hopefully, people do. You know, I mean, I gave my stuff away that I didn't want. I've done it's happened to me a couple times, um, but it's kind of neat how that whole process works. I love it. It is good, and and I think that yeah. uh, it, it helps people who would uh, same way Uber does or any of the others. You can work when you want to work, right? You know, if you don't feel like you want to do it during the daytime, you don't. You just make yourself available when you have the time, and it's not a bad way to make some extra bucks. So uh, the only problem is I think, unfortunately, people tend to use those things in the worst weather because they don't feel like going out, you know, so right. they'll call somebody else to go out. So you got to have a pretty good car and whatever in order to be able to deal with a lot of that stuff. But right. whatever. Anyway, it's a business. And people make money, so it worked. And um, I, I, I try, go ahead. A friend of mine who does Uber part time, he knows um, someone who it doesn't live far from him, who does it full time and loves every minute of it, and that's his business, full time Ubering. Mm-hmm. So um, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's cool. It really is. There's um, uh, I don't know if you. Do you watch the movie or the show, Lynn, um, uh, A Million Little Things? No, I do not, but I know of okay. it. Okay, what well, was yeah. on last night? 
I haven't watched it in the last couple of weeks, but I watched it. And so the one character, Eddie, is um, he's paralyzed from the waist down. And he he was in the car, and, and they call it, I don't, I forget the name of it. It's funny. It was like an, instead of Uber or Lyft, it's called like drive-in or something like that. I forget what the, what the name of it was. And he was, you know, in, he was driving these people. And um, he, when one of his um, friend's daughters got in the car with him to talk, he, she said, I, 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 you know, I can't believe it. How about you? She noticed the sticker in, on his window. And she said, you're doing that? And he said, yeah. And she goes, well, how do you like it? And he's like, well, and he said, I actually love every minute of it. I love doing this. And she said, well, that's great. And he said, it makes me, I'm here, I feel like everybody else because I'm in the car and I'm driving and I don't have to get out and I, I feel like everybody else does. In other words, because he was paralyzed from the waist down, nobody could, no one knew that. So he, yeah. he just said, yeah, I feel like a regular, like everybody else. And he said, I'm at the same level. And I thought, you know, that's kind of a, kind of a neat way to look at it. And he's like, I just yeah. love the drive. So, I mean, even that being incorporated into a, a television show, you know, so it was kind of neat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah that so. is a, I never thought about that, but that is true. That someone who yeah. is a handicapped driver like that, who's perfectly capable of doing it, uh, probably feels terrific when he's sitting yeah. there with everybody else or she, you exactly. know, but yeah, it's a cool thing. I know, and that's, wow, that's a really, a really nice, neat way to think about that. And and I thought, wow, that was, really, that was, I just thought that was a really neat thing to incorporate that into the, into the show that way. I thought, wow, that's, yeah, thought about it either. And that's, we think, oh, man, that's, so it was very profound in that, in that realm. But, I mean, even that, like doing this kind of driving and, and uh, you know, people do it. I always think, like, I would love to do it for a living. I mean, not for a living, living, but I would do it in a minute because I love to, to drive and to talk and to meet people. And, you know, it's kind of neat. Yeah. Yeah. I you know, what I didn't I... know about what? Uber is that um, the drivers also rate you as a passenger. Oh, yeah. Oh yes, I, I didn't know that, and I I wasn't trying to do it. I've I've used Uber a lot when I'm um, going from the airport to someplace because I just find it so easy and convenient. And right. uh, I, I I would prefer to sit in the front seat, you know, with the person who's the driver, because I don't mind, you know, having a conversation with them, and I get mm-hmm. to learn a lot about people in a very short period of time. But somebody once said to me, did you realize that you're being um, evaluated as a passenger as well as you evaluate the driver? And I oh, said, yeah. no. Yeah. So uh, that's pretty cool. I, went, I don't know if you can look it up on, online <laughs> or in your app or who well, am I? Good. How good am I? I don't know. Well, it's, it's what? The thing is- it's good because it shows the company and the people like, you know, if you're a, you know, a jerk, why do I want to keep doing this? And, you know, you, that keeps everybody on their best behavior. I think it's great. But anyway, we'll talk yeah. more about it. But we're going to take a quick break. You're listening this morning to Laurie and Lynn show. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Nancy Kamen from WILK's Morning News. And I know Laurie Cadden. A lot of people know Laurie Cadden. And more importantly, Laurie Cadden knows a lot of people. 
Laurie Cadden Enterprises specializes in fundraising, public relations, and special events. Laurie Cadden can take your business or organization to the next level. This isn't something that you learn about in a book. Heck, it can't even be taught. Laurie Cadden lives it. She knows how to work a crowd, open doors, and build and nurture relationships. With Laurie Cadden Enterprises, you get, ta-da, Laurie Cadden and her 20-plus years of experience. Call Laurie today at 357-8399, 357-8399, or email Laurie, Laurie, L-A-U-R-I-E, at lauriecadden.com, L-A-U-R-I-E-C-A-D-D-E-N.com. Laurie Cadden Enterprises, because it is who you know. I'm Dr. Nicole DeNova. Since VREC opened its doors in 2010, we've treated over 30,000 patients, including the puppy whose curiosity led him to a porcupine and the police canine who was just doing his job. VREC is located at 318 Northern Boulevard in Clark Summit and is open 24-7 for your pet peace of mind. To learn more about us, visit VRECPA.com or call 570-587-7777. ERA, Exceptional Real Estate Agents. When you want to have the best of the best selling your home, you want ERA One Source Realty. With offices all over Northeastern Pennsylvania, ERA One Source Realty will give you the personalized service you'd expect from a professional real estate company. They have experienced realtors that have years of experience, which gives you, the home seller, an incredible advantage. They will offer suggestions to make your house sell faster. They will tell you what others will be looking for. They know how to present your home and sell its features, giving you the greatest chance to have your house sell fast. And ERA One Source Realty offers an industry-exclusive guarantee. If ERA doesn't sell your house, ERA will buy it. Yes, if they don't sell your house, ERA will buy it. That's peace of mind. That's a guarantee worth its weight in gold. Call ERA One Source Realty today and find out how you can have your house marketed by one of the top-rated companies in Northeastern Pennsylvania. Call 877-587-SELL or on the web at ERA1.com. ERA One Source Realty, always there for you. Okay, we're back. Uh, my name is Lynn Evans. I am a financial planner and managing director of a company called Women of Substance, LLC. That's a financial planning firm devoted specifically to the needs of baby boomer women. And I'm also the host of a podcast called Power of the Purse, and that's available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and any other place you get podcasts. And I'm Laurie Cadden, the owner of Laurie Cadden Enterprises, which is a fundraising PR and special event business. I had uh, something here that I found online, and it's uh, called Three Traditional Rules for Building Wealth and When Experts Suggest You Break Them. You will find most of the time I break them because (laughs) I think they're so strident and ridiculous. But anyway, here we go. So the three of them are this. Number one, pay down high interest rate debt first. The author of this is a guy named Ryan Emery, or I'm sorry, Ermy, Ermy, Ermy. And he says why it's a rule is the math works out. If you have multiple debts, the money you owe in the loans with the highest interest rates is compounding at the fastest rate. By paying off those loans first, you'll save more money in the long run operative words there, in the long run, and pay down your debt faster. When to consider breaking it? Getting out of debt is hard. 
And if that's your goal, doing what's mathematically right may not be as important as keeping yourself mentally on track. The reverse of that is something that people call the snowball method, which is that you make minimum payments on all the other debts, but you take the one that is the smallest and you pay that off the quickest. Mentally, it says, okay, good, I got rid of one. Then you go to the next one that's lowest in its value and you start paying that down, but you're still paying the minimum on the others. And eventually, um, you get to the point where you're now at the highest interest rate debt last, but it's actually first because that's all that's left. I think that works for a lot of people who get really um, just horribly terrified about the concept of paying off debt, and they get paralyzed. So what they do is nothing, and that's not good either. So if it's so overwhelming to go to the one that's the largest interest rate on your account, start with a smaller amount get that paid off and keep moving forward. And the second one is you shouldn't actually want a tax refund. Why it's a rule, if you get a tax refund, it's often the result of your employer withholding more than you owe in taxes. Getting a refund can feel like it's a windfall, but in essence, the government's just giving you back money that was always yours in the first place. Because you couldn't do anything with the money in the meantime, Tax experts often describe a refund as an interest-free loan to the government, which I have said all the time. Uh, If you do expect to get a refund, tax experts suggest you adjust your withholding by submitting what's called a W-4 form with your employer's HR department in order to keep more money in your paycheck. And when to consider breaking it, look at what you're doing with the money you earn now and ask yourself, what you do with the larger paycheck each month. If the answer is spend more, you might be better off having your employer set that extra money aside for you. If you work it to where you have a huge refund, that can be a forced savings methodology. And you may think, I'm my biggest threat to my savings. If they, if they put us in a banquet hall at the Four Seasons filled with really nice food, we're going to be inclined to eat. The average tax refund for 2020 was $2,827, plenty for you to put to good use. I want my clients to be using that refund check to build assets and retire debt, this guy said, Mr. Peoples. Third one, aim to max out your traditional 401k. Why it's a rule, contributions to workplace retirement accounts are the type of automatic savings that financial advisors love. The money comes right out of your paycheck and into a tax-advantaged retirement savings portfolio. The account will compound over time, and the more you contribute now, the likely you are to be wealthy in retirement. I don't know about that, but it's a good idea. When to consider breaking it? If you're focusing all of your retirement savings On a traditional 401k plan, you could be missing out on a serious tax advantage, namely the one that comes with a Roth IRA. Unlike traditional 401ks, for which pre-tax contributions are deductible, Roth accounts are funded with money you've already paid taxes on. 
Contributions to Roth grow tax-free, and you won't owe a penny to the IRS when you withdraw the funds in retirement, provided you're at least age 59 and a half and have held the money for at least five years. And the other thing that's important to know about that when it says five years, it doesn't, the calendar doesn't start going every five years every time you make a contribution. So it's the first contribution that has to be continued for five years. And after that, you can take out whatever you want without paying any taxes. The other oh, benefit cool. to a Roth... Hmm? Nice, that's cool. Go ahead. It is. The other benefit to a Roth IRA is that you can always take out your contributions at any time without income taxes or penalties. If a young person puts $6,000 into a Roth IRA for a decade, they could withdraw this if they needed it as a down payment on a house. Instead of contributing as much as you can to your 401k contribution, only as much as you need to earn any matching contribution from your employer. From there, focus on contributing as much as you can to a Roth. This sets you up for a great retirement. Now, I have a major uh, problem with what I just read. I believe that, as, you, as I just said, when provided you're age 59 and a half and have held the account for five years, you can withdraw it without any penalties or without any uh, tax. But this guy says if you contribute to the Roth IRA as a young person, you could withdraw this if they needed it as a down payment on a house. I think we got some misinformation there, but I'm just saying. Okay. So I just thought I'd let people know that those are three rules that people talk about all the time. And then they say, yeah, but you don't, you could break them under certain circumstances. Okay. That was that one. The other one that I think is very important is um, a very interesting and provocative conversation that needs to be had with people who are over the age of 60. And that is cognitive decline. This individual, uh, Randall Smith, who wrote this, says that this is one of the biggest issues we're not talking about. Um, baby boomers who manage their own nest eggs, there's a significant risk that not, has nothing to do with stock prices or interest rates. The risk is cognitive decline which can rob them of their judgment, often without much warning. One big mistake, or a series of smaller ones, can go unnoticed by loved ones and potentially ravage a lifetime of hard-earned savings. To mitigate these risks, there are things baby boomers and others can do now to prepare for any problems. In addition, big do-it-yourself investing and trading venues like Vanguard, Fidelity Investments, and Schwab are strengthening some of the ways they detect possible signs of decline. Among, the all, among all three of these firms, they check for clients' difficulty navigating security protocols or the need for frequent password resets. In such cases, a designated family member might be informed. Vanguard also checks client call recordings for keywords such as confused or dementia that might signal trouble. The dollars at stake are big. 
boomers who are now between the ages of 57 and 75 own more than half the estimated $50 trillion in total U.S. household financial assets. Of that, $26 trillion, roughly a quarter or $6.5 trillion, is invested in do-it-yourself basis. A big majority of that do-it-yourself total resides at Vanguard, Fidelity, and Schwab. In the next 10 years, nearly half of the oldest boomers face the likelihood of some cognitive impairment. The rates from mild cognitive decline and dementia rise from a combined 12% to age 70 to 74 to 45% for those 80 to 84. Even a mild decline can rapidly erode financial capacity. That is pretty scary. Yeah. And I think the thing is that those of us um, who are in those years need to really rethink whether or not I need the services of a financial planner. Not necessarily because the financial planner is going to save you from that, but a financial planner can look at some of the transactions and maybe ask you. And most of these applications for opening new accounts now Ask if there's a third-party trusted person that you want to name. And it's irrespective of what you write down on, on the application as your date of birth. So it's not ageism. It's not discrimination. It's they ask everybody that. And that's a very important thing to have on file. Because if a financial planner starts to look at things that look a little funny, like withdrawals and, like I said, changes in beneficiaries, some things that just go on that make them think there might be something wrong here. They have a person to contact that you've already designated that can be um, involved in the conversation and find out if indeed there is something going on. Although the only disadvantage to that is sometimes that person is the person that's uh, asking that, uh, that advisor, and not the advisor, asking the Uh, investor to do some of these things and I saw this morning that there was a woman who uh, convinced her husband that he had Alzheimer's and she was taking over whatever they had to do as far as their finances and was able to withdraw $600,000 of his money and put it into an account for her father and that's (laughs) that was his wife Okay, so you got to watch, you know, I mean, even though that is something that you would probably assume would be a good trusted person, doesn't always happen. Um, And of course, that was a second marriage, or third, I forget what it was. So it was the children of that man who started looking at things and saying something's odd here. So, you know, what just just watch. That's all I got to say is just be careful because cognitive decline is going to become more and more an issue as we age. There we go. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back with Leah Rudolph. Leah Rudolph. <laughs> <laughs> Leah, Leah will be joining us from ERA One next. Hold, stay tuned. You're listening to Laurie and Lynn Show. 
Hi, my name is Lynn S. Evans, CFP, co-host of The Laurie and Lynn Show. I am the managing director of a new business, Women of Substance, LLC, a financial planning firm dedicated to the specific financial needs of baby boomer women. I help them navigate through widowhood, retirement, divorce, and job loss. Send me an email at lynn at lynnsevans.com and let me know how I can help you. I'm also the host of a podcast, Power of the Purse, available on more than 30 sites, including iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. We record these lively conversations with women who've been there and have great advice to give others so they don't go down the same dark holes. And we feature some experts who share some great ideas to be prepared before you have to face these transitions. And we have a whole lot of fun. Please don't let the fear of not knowing about personal finances stop you anymore. I am here to take the confusion and mystery out of money. Go to my website, lynnsevans.com and see how we can set up a time to talk or browse around the many blogs and other free info on the site. Remember, money's not the enemy. Your ignorance of it is. The well-established and highly respected Northeastern Pennsylvania certified public accounting firm, Michael A. Barbetti, LLC, is making changes after almost 40 years in business. The firm name has changed and is now Barbetti McHale, LLC, CPA, reflecting the addition of Michael F. McHale as partner in the longstanding firm. Although the name and partnership are a significant change, the staff won't change. Their Dunmore location won't change. The way they serve clients won't change. Their work ethic won't change. And Michael Barbetti's involvement won't change. The Barbetti-McHale partnership adds Mike McHale's three decades of experience in corporate and not-for-profit accounting for the clients of the regional firm. Barbetti-McHale LLC certified public accountants provides professional accounting and tax services to all types of clients, ranging from individuals and family-owned businesses to governmental agencies and non-profit organizations. Call Barbetti-McHale CPAs at their Dunmore office, and you too can make a change for the better. Business Banking at Fidelity. We have a great relationship with Fidelity. They're like family with us. They're right next door to my business. If there's ever a problem, just one phone call, I don't even have to go to them. They come to me. It's great. I love being in the business. This was meant for me. We're very busy. I'm running every day, and I love to stay busy. So that's why I need a bank that's going to be there for me when I need them. Back in 2006, we were having a problem with our lease in our other building. We were looking for a place to go. We stumbled upon this this location. It's right in the heart of downtown, right in the, the middle of the city, and it happened to be right next to Fidelity Bank. They went out of their way for us to get this building. It was wonderful, and it's been a great relationship ever since. I have a business line of credit with Fidelity that gives me buying power. My credit card machine runs through Fidelity, my checking account, uh, my payroll taxes. They take care of it all for me. I bank with Fidelity, don't you? Member FDIC. Hi, we're back. My name is Lynn Evans. I am Managing Director and Financial Advisor with Women of Substance, LLC. That's a financial planning firm that's devoted specifically to the needs of baby boomer (coughs) women. And I'm also the host of a podcast called Power of the Purse, and that's available on iTunes. No, it's not iTunes anymore. Sorry. <laughs> it's uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and several other places where you can find podcasts. And I'm Laurie Cadden, the owner of Laurie Cadden Enterprises, which is a fundraising PR and special event business. And with us is the lovely Leah, I was going to say Leah Rudolph. How about that? Leah, <laughs> Leah Jenacopoulos. <laughs> who is with ERA One Source Realty. She's a wonderful agent with this great group of people. There's about 100 
people involved, such as, and I should say people meaning real estate agents, in 10 counties, seven offices. And Leah, welcome back. Hi. Hi, hi. So, hi. <laughs> I can't believe it's November. <laughs> I feel like yeah. we didn't even have the summer yet. I'm pretty sure it's crazy, but it's probably because the real estate market is still so crazy. And it's just, it's not, you know, it's slowing down somewhat, but I think that's definitely because here comes Thanksgiving, here comes Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, everything is like about to pile on us, the New Year's coming, all of that. And with that comes the ever-loving question of will there be foreclosures? Is that why the market's slowing down? Is this because all of the forbearance programs are ending? You know, the help and the aid is not um, there as much. People aren't getting the PPP loan. Is that why you guys are seeing a lull in the real estate market? The answer is no. We're not seeing a lull in the real estate market. It traditionally slows down a bit right now because obviously, like, can you imagine trying to cook a turkey dinner out of, like, I don't know, your garage where, like, all of your <laughs> kitchen supplies are while you're waiting for the movers to come on Black Friday? Like, not happening yeah. and that fun. But, I mean, I don't know. And then Christmas, it's like, you know, do you really want to, like, decorate your whole house just to take it down? So, I mean, with that comes, obviously, uh, people find different reasons for when they do and don't want to move. But when I was getting asked that question a lot, I kind of, you know, went to a few of the pros and people that I really look to in the real estate community outside of our area. There's a great panel of People, you know, I speak with that's in a real estate board between Connecticut, New York, New Jersey, um, all of the big cities, too. So it's like, you know, they're always seeing it. And with them as a lot of economists and a lot of, you know, people that can really give us and weigh in on their input. And a lot of the realtors are asking, like, what's going to happen? What's next? You're not hearing about these REOs, like, or you're not hearing about the foreclosure. So, you know, we've been seeing, like I said before, the forbearance plans are coming to an end. So a lot of people are coming to that concerned part that the housing market is going to experience what they experienced 15 years ago with that bubble and it crashing. There's a few reasons after, you know, we got together and we started doing a lot of education and research and all of that as to why that's not predicted to happen again. And they actually have a bunch of good reasons with a lot of support and statistics behind it proving that, like, it's, it's very possible and the chances are near, actually, they weighed in at nearly 0% of it being a crazy foreclosure market like it was in 2008. But one of the first reasons being is there are fewer homeowners this time that are actually in financial trouble. So the last housing crash, there was 9.3 million households that were in trouble and that lost their home to a foreclosure, a short sale, or had to simply just give it back to the bank. So we entered, obviously, a pandemic. So 2008 was brought on by different reasons, and our 2020 was brought on by different reasons. So we were issued a stay-at-home order where people had no choice but to stay home because that was the only place they could work. So with that happening, the pandemic impacted the housing industry in a different way. So there was 30% of mortgage holders entered a forbearance program. So... Only that's what they thought, which is that they predicted 30%. Of that 30%, only 8.5% actually entered into a uh, forbearance program, 
And right now the rate is down to 2.2% of people that are still in a forbearance program trying to get caught up with what they, you know, went through with the pandemic and all of that. So the total number Leah, of more. Yeah. Can I interrupt you? Um, sure. Some people may not know what that means, a forbearance program. Can you explain that? Sure. The forbearance program was a program that all the banks put out for people that held a mortgage where you were able to hold off on paying your mortgage or there was some kind of like stipend or financial relief that they were giving to you temporarily so you didn't lose your home. You know, a lot of people lost their jobs and all of that during the pandemic. And even though you may have been collecting unemployment, some people weren't getting what they were used to making. So they were able to give you a Fort Barron. So they held off and there's no interest or anything else that's piling up, but you're maybe behind a few mortgage payments. So that's what the forbearance, and there was all different types of forbearance packages that they gave. So just the small and short of it, a forbearance package was something that they were able to give to hold off on you not losing your house and recognizing that the bank was allowing this to happen. So Okay, thanks. You're welcome. The total number of mortgages in forbearance are at 1.2 million right now. So that's good compared to the 9.3 million people that lost their house in 2008. So that, you know, that's a, that's a pretty big, and that's a big jump. You know what I mean? 9.3 to 1.2. So the other good thing is the interest rates were so low, even though they were historically low in 2020 into 2021, even the last couple of years, they were still pretty low. So people that were buying houses in even 2017, 18, they were still only hitting that like, like high four, three percent. You know, obviously not everyone was getting that two, two point five at one point, but the interest rates weren't anywhere near what they were in 2008. So with that being said, a lot of people have the equity in their houses, so you're able to sell. So you're not doing you know, a quick short sale, or at least you could sell and make money off of your house and maybe go to a smaller one or whatever. But that's why that's also closing the gap in on why they don't have to go into foreclosure. So that's also been something that they can contribute to, you know, not having a foreclosure. So I just want to throw out a few statistics, which I think are pretty interesting. Because they said that right now, there's about 10% of people have at least equity, 93% have at least 10% or more equity in their homes. So that obviously leaves us with the remaining 7%. So the remaining 7% may not have the option to sell, but they they might be the percentage that would have to go into foreclosure. But the the entire 7% of those 1.2 million homes that are in forbearance, that would only be 85,400 mortgages. So stick with me on this because it gets a little confusing. So with that being said, that brings us to 2021. There's 85,400 mortgages that could possibly go into foreclosure. The numbers for the last three years leading up the pandemic that were in foreclosure in 2017 was 314,000. 220 in 2018 it was 300,000 and in 2019 it was 275,000 so the probable number of foreclosures coming out of this program is nowhere near what it was 15 years ago in 2008 so I think that's a pretty comfortable statistic to hear knowing that you know we just went through 
something we've never, ever expected or seen in our life. So, you know, that's something that kind of like is nice and reassuring to hear that maybe these programs really did help and, you know, go through. So when the foreclosure hit back in 2008, there was an oversupply of houses, too, on the market. Well, we're dealing with the opposite mm. now. We still don't have any inventory. Yeah. The exact yeah. opposite. <laughs> So in 2008, there was a nine-month supply of listings on the market. Right now, we don't even have enough for 45 days. So mm. the statistics right there, and so then speaking with Ivy Zellman, she's the founder of the major housing market analytical firm called Zellman & Associates. She said right now the likelihood of us having a foreclosure crisis, again, is very close to 0.0%. And I think wow. that is a fantastic statistic to hear. And I think it also gives people a lot of reassurance and comfort that, you know, you hear it all the time. I hope we never go back to 2008. If you think back to 2008, that was scary times, you know, unknown. So, wow. Well, that's, that's, that's very reassuring uh, to hear that because I think it's not just the fact that uh, people are concerned and we've heard about, from the perspective of inflation, that inflation is going to rear its ugly head and and interest rates are going to go up and that's going to kill the market. But I still think that what you're saying is very important to know that there's only 45 days worth of inventory. Um, That still bodes well for an active active real estate market. And that's good news. Right. Okay. And that's what I said. I think it's fantastic to hear those markets. I think are you know those margins and those numbers, and it just you know maybe these programs really did help everybody. Yeah, must have. The numbers are good. The results are good. Right, and I do think it has a lot to do with the fact of not having any inventory. That's also helping. With that being said, we still don't have inventory. <laughs> and then can you help us out? Thinking of selling, we'll let you have your Thanksgiving in your kitchen, but we'll we'll. we'll Maybe we'll, we'll make you unpack your Christmas decorations and move it out. But, no, we're in desperate need of houses still. It's crazy. It's like still they come on, they go. They come on, they go. Highest and best offer by Friday at 12. Uh, how many offers do you have in? 15. Okay. Well, that means 14 wow. people are still looking for a house. Like, it's crazy. Wow. It's crazy. That's I, I mean, amazing. I'm, I'm eating it up, and I love every minute of it. It's fantastic. <laughs> I'll bet you do. It's crazy. So, and then especially, well, you know, you, that train really happened. It, 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 yeah, exactly. But, it, Leah, if anybody wants to sell their house or wants to buy a house and needs to get in touch with you or anyone at ERA, how can they do that? You can call the office at 570-587-9999, and that we will actually, that's our home office number, but it will help you get in touch with any of the other offices and any of the 100-plus agents that we have. I can personally be reached at 570-947-9250, and we also have our website, which is era1.com, so it's era1.com, and we also have every form of social media that you can think of. So find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok and Twitter, all under ERA. TikTok, you're there too. We just started a TikTok. It's very different, but it's okay. been fun. So <laughs> we're there. Uh, well, Leah, thank you so much. As always, very informative, 
And um, we will see you next time. Everybody else out there, have a great weekend. It's going to be a nice one. So enjoy, be safe, and please be nice. Bye. 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 This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. (laughs) 